Today's show brought to you in part by our friends at Adelphi Racing. You know, I'm serious about how much I like Adelphi Racing because I've become a member of the partnership. And since I have, I've been super impressed with the level of communication from Matt Cutter, who you've heard on these airwaves, sending out reports when the horses work, keeping you abreast of everything you need to know, really letting you know you're part of the team. Adelphi, we're doing things a little bit differently and we're having a lot of fun with it. A lot of direct communication with the team, as I mentioned, and it feels like you're really part of something with the Adelphi Racing Club. I highly recommend it. And on the news front, after selling uh, almost all of the inventory, there is some new inventory available because the team bought a horse out of the Maryland sale last week, the two-year-old in training sale. They landed hip 278, a very nice New York bred son of looking at Lucky from a productive female family. To learn more, go to AdelphiRacing.com. That URL, once again, AdelphiRacing.com. If you have any questions, especially now that I'm a part of the team, feel free to reach out to me as well, at LoomsBoldly on Twitter or via the contact page over on InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Tuesday, May 31st. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. A little bit unusual of a show. We're going to take it in some uh, different directions today. I think you're going to enjoy the guests that we have on with you and uh, want to just bring the first one in right away. You'll recognize him as a frequent contributor to the show and a big supporter of this podcast since the very beginning from Monmouth Park. It's Brian Skirka. Brian, how are things? Pete, how are you? I'm doing uh, fantastic and happy as always to be on with you. You look like you're there in your office at Monmouth Park. How have things been going so far at this uh, young meet? Uh, good. I mean, relatively, and you know, we got we got off to a little bit of a, a wet start, like most tracks on the Mid-Atlantic, so nothing really we can do about that. Our opening day didn't even happen because we got such bad weather that it got rained out, but Yesterday was really our first real, you know, kind of day. We had 12 races. It was, you know, our best card of the year by far. We actually had a huge crowd yesterday. It was day two of our food truck festival. Today is day three. So uh, our meet started in earnest this weekend, and everything has been really good now that the, the weather has finally turned in our favor. You don't look like you've gained any weight after two days of a food truck festival, which well, I didn't the think The camera from possible. the neck only, so that's, that's <laughs> why it's very strategically positioned. I'm in, I'm in stretchy pants and, uh, you know, no belt below the camera. <laughs> this uh, I'd plug the food festival, food truck festival more, but it, by the time this post, it'll, it will have happened. So we'll leave that there. Something will definitely will we'll trump it up for next year. And, man, I'd love to be able to come down. It's always hard. But for me, this is embarrassing. But Memorial Day weekend, this weekend, I think it's my last weekend in New York until September. Like, that's how that's how crazy it is. And the first stop on my dance card is nowhere other than Monmouth Park. Really excited to come down next weekend. A lot going on, but nothing more important than the Pick Your Prize contest. I emphasize this to, to new contest players. Even if you're new to live bankroll play, this is one that you don't want to miss. It's a really uh, terrific event that will bring in players from all over the country. Brian, tell us what we can expect from this year's edition of Pick Your Prize. 
Sure. So um, very happy to to note, um, you know, now that you know a lot of the COVID restrictions have been eased, you know, we're getting back to more of a, a quote unquote normal. Pick your prize. Um, there's still an online element, so if, if you're anywhere out there in the country and you want to play through TVG or or Express Bet, you're more than welcome to. But I would say as of now, probably somewhere in the 60 to 70 percent range of the the players who have signed up so far will be playing on site, which is which is great. We set up the room. Um, kind of like a mini NHC. There's just big round, you know, tables. Seating is first come, first serve, so everyone sits with their friends. And you know, all the all the tables have power. There's huge screen TVs all over the wall. So it's kind of like a mini NHC in the middle of the year. And it, as you said, it brings out the best of the best. Normally, we're somewhere in like the 30 to 35 states that are covered um, in terms of players coming out for this contest. So it truly is players from everywhere. And the the prize structure, as you alluded to, I, I think is second to none. Um, we kind of created this one from scratch based off of the feedback over the years that we've gotten from a lot of players that, you know, some much prefer NHC seats and some much prefer BCBC and some just are really in it for the cash. So at the time that we created this event, there really wasn't an event that truly let you pick your prize. Most contests had it laid out. Okay, if you finish first, you get this. If you finish second, you get this. And we kind of said, hey, why don't we let the player, if you if you win, you know, you get cash, you know, right off the bat for finishing first. But in terms of the other prizes, seats or additional cash, you know, you, you pick what you want. We, we have a, a literal prize board, which you've seen in our in our room. And in order of finish, the players come up and they literally select their prize that they want right off the board. So we've had years where, you know, um, players have selected all the cash. 2018, for example, Bill Rendino finished first. He picked all the cash prizes and he walked away with over 43,000 in cash. And then last year was a little different. Alan Levitt was first. He picked the BCBC seat and 25,000 cash. And Ken Seaman, as an example, who finished second, walked away with a BCBC seat and NHC seat and $10,000, $10,300. So it's kind of a, you know, what are you in it for? And you know, depending on where you finish, you can pick whatever prize you want. Yeah, it's great. That's a cool gimmick and and one that I know is very player friendly. You mentioned the NHC it being like a mini NHC. I would also call it, if not the best, I think it is the best. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's the best place to try to qualify for the NHC because of how many seats are given away and what you need to accomplish to, to punch your ticket to Las Vegas out of this event because you have the ability not to necessarily run your bankroll up five times. You know, you can – I bet you'll know this off the top of your head. I didn't prep you for it. I should have. But typically speaking – Let's talk about the starting bankroll and talk about where that starting bankroll typically, and obviously it can change year to year. Yep. Past uh, is no get what happened in the past is no guarantee of what's going to happen in the future. Typically, what do you have to get that bankroll to to be eligible for an NHC seat? Yeah, so so I would say so you start with a thousand. So it's a two thousand dollar buy in. So your starting bankroll is a thousand dollars. I would say if if you double your bankroll going into the last race of the contest, so if you turn a thousand into two thousand, which obviously is you know, easier said than done, but it's, you know, we're not, as you said, you're not, it's not asking you to multiply by five. If you double your bankroll going into the last race of the contest, you will be right in contention to finish someplace with an NHC seat. I would say if you, if you finish with 2,300, you know, you start with a thousand, you finish with 2,300, you will be in a really good space to, to qualify for the NHC. Some, some years 2,300 is a lot and some years 2,300 is right on the fringe, like you said, depending on the, the, uh, the payouts during the day, but you know, if you double your double your money, you're you put yourself right in contention going to that last race. And we give away 
20 to 22 NHC seats, depending on the year. Last year, as an example, Stanley Bablish, a past NHC champion, qualified for the NHC. He finished in 26th place. <laughs> so great. out of 200, I think we had 226 um, participants last year. So, you know, not everyone gets an NHC seat, but if you want to say, you know, it's less than a one in 10 ratio in terms of a, you know, a, a big time prize. He finished in 26th place in a contest with 225, give or take players in it. So it's great. I love that. What we call the flatness of that prize structure while still getting a pretty terrific award, as you outlined before, if you're the overall winner. Let's do the brass tax. What does it cost and what are the rules? All right. So $2,000 buy-in. You can take up to two entries. Uh, it's win, place, show, exacta. This year we've added double for the first time. So win, place, show, exacta, and double. Uh, it's Mammoth Park races only. Uh, we should have a, you know, I've told the racing office many times that we need a bang-up bang card on Saturday. So I would say at the minimum, we'll have 12 races all the way up to possibly even 14 races to try to make sure that the contest players have as good uh, a card as possible to, to wager on. You have to bet at least five races of at least $200 a piece. Uh, and then provided that at the end of the contest, you at least make those requirements, you're allowed to bet less than $200. So... You know, if, if your first bet of the day or your last bet of the day is, you know, you can bet $20 in a race if you want, you know, provided that by the end of the contest, you have those five races of at least $200 a piece. Uh, this is really the one contest of the year here at Mammoth that, that is kind of more of a free-for-all, I call it. Normally, you're only allowed to bet one horse per race, but because exactes and doubles are, are a part of this race, you know, it's kind of uh, an added strategy. You know, you, if you want to bet, you know, five different horses to win in a race, you can. You know, if you want to box, the entire field in an exact you can not that that's a prudent i wouldn't recommend either of those strategies but it is you are putting a power in the hand of the player in terms of being able to uh, to do to do what you want essentially and to release some of the strictures that other contests have it's another reason why i know people love pick your prize correct yeah and it's just the it's good to see this year especially as i alluded to earlier the the amount of people coming back on site and as they sign up the excitement that people you know a lot of people haven't been that, uh, let alone to this contest, but other than the NHC, maybe it's any on-site contest in two or three years. So to hear a, a large number of players say, hey, I haven't been to a, an on-site contest in forever, and this is my first contest back on-site, I'm happy to you know, be sitting with all my same players and friends that I've been sitting with every year at Pick Your Pride. You know, that's, what, that's what not only the handicapping contest world, but horse racing in general and the, the world in general really is all about this year, just getting back to those things that we all, uh, we all love to do together. Very well put. With so many contest players in town, are there any other opportunities, anything cooking Friday or Sunday for them to to get involved in, or is all the focus on Saturday? What we, we actually do, we have another contest on Sunday. Uh, it's a smaller one. It's a $300 buy-in, uh, two NHC seats and cash prizes uh, up for grabs there. That one is um, no pre-registration. So I will say, just going to go back to pick your prize really quickly. Um, you, you do have to be pre-registered for that contest. There is no walk-up day of pay your $2,000. Um, you have to be signed up by the day before, so it's not. I'm not asking you to sign up way in advance. Um, so if you do want to sign up for Pick Your Prize, you know we, we don't cap the number of entries. You can certainly contact me any day this week prior to Friday, prior to the end of the day on Friday, and we can sign you up for uh, for the Pick Your Prize contest. If you are playing through ExpressBet, they keep registration open right through noon. Uh, the day of the contest you can pretty much sign up with them right through last second but if you're going to play tvg or on site just contact me and we'll we'll sign you up a day in advance and then the sunday contest is walk up only no pre-registration needed cash only the day of 
And again, we'll take as many players as we can get on Sunday. But that, that was something we added a couple of years into Pick Your Prize based on player feedback with so many people coming from out of town to, to offer them two contests in one weekend just, just makes it more of a, a rich experience for them to come out on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. A little more fun to be had on uh, on Sunday out at Monmouth. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of great days out there. And why not play a, a contest while you're at it? I, I love the sound of that. You mentioned people reaching out to you to contact you. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, email. So bskirka at mammothpark.com. Um, you know, you can find us on the website or, um, you know, like I said, just bskirka at mammothpark.com. Reach out to me and uh, we'll get you signed up. Again, you just have to be signed up by Friday. Uh, if you are going to play on site, you know, we'll take half a year. We'll, we'll charge your uh, credit card for the entry fee in advance. And then you just bring the cash with you the day of. And the, the last one I'd like to make, Pete, just for the, the contest is, I know something sweet to your heart and you'll be here partially in Ford, is there will be fixed odds here at Monmouth, you know, that day. So nothing, absolutely nothing having to do with the contest. Take your prize is totally through the normal tote. But we are setting up a fixed odds window, especially in the main contest room for any personal bets a player wants to make. I'm working with Dallas at BetMakers that I'm pretty sure if I can say this, but I think every player who participates in Pick Your Prize on site is going to get a $20 uh, free fixed odds bet nice. which you introduced so that's kind of a little extra bonus to join us here on site but yeah ab- absolutely nothing to do with the contest but you know you could use it as you know hedging for the contest if you want yeah. or just to dabble in it you know there uh, there will definitely be a fixed odds opportunity for every race at Monmouth on Saturday and Sunday it does afford some interesting hedging opportunities particularly in the last race if you're torn between things and looking to take advantage of the equity in the contest that's a good that's a good topic for a future conversation because with fixed odds of course your great line the odds you better the odds you get so it makes hedging a little bit easier when the market can't move out from under you yeah betmakers day it's sort of the it's still they're still sort of in their soft launch but it, it, there are going to be some fun promotions i'm going to hopefully um be doing some work with them of course dallas has been on dallas has been on the shows basically every week since mama started talking fixed odds and this will be a great way for people to get exposed to it you know dip the toe in the pool that's great you'll be able to do it in the same room and not have to you know run to to somewhere else to check out the fixed odds while the pick your prize contest is going on well this is great stuff brian i really appreciate you coming on the show and you know we'll make sure uh, i'll say this out loud so you you and i can both remember it let's make sure to to do some sort of um you know, last call notification through our our airwave slash newsletter so folks can make sure not to miss out on this great opportunity. Sounds like TVG, Express Bet, or Live at Monmouth. I heartily encourage folks to get to Monmouth if you can. Always love the chance to talk to viewers and listeners. And, you know, the contest world, this is where I came from. You know, I don't do that much with contests anymore other than read ads for them. But it's always a pleasure to, to get a chance to, to get involved and get to see some of the people from that contest world because it's a real community. And, you know, I think that community is going to be on full display in your room on Saturday. I know you must be looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of my favorite days of the year. I, I'm, I'm, you know, thrilled with the way I think this is this might be our seventh or eighth pick your prize. And I'm I'm thrilled with how it's progressed year by year. Every year grows. The, the response from the players has been outstanding and it's it's helped grow the contest too. Like I said, I'm, I'm the first, I've said this for years, I'm the first person to admit that I don't know everything really when it comes to anything, but especially contests. So if you have an idea, if you're a player, you know, if you want to do this a little differently, you know, we added doubles this year. We've never had doubles before based on player feedback. We added doubles. You know, we have the contest on Sunday based on player feedback. So I'm the, the first person to 
to ask for some, uh, you know, advice and, and thoughts from players, and we'll certainly weave them into our contest. And the, the response and the, really the, 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 the amount of fun and, and excitement that players have that they say every year. I see them at the NHC when I go each year, and then they say, hey, I can't wait for Pick Your Prize. That's, uh, that's really rewarding. So that, that just makes us want to put on as, as good a show as we possibly can for everybody, which we will this Saturday. If there was a Mount Rushmore of people who put on uh, handicapping contests, Brian Skirka's face would be on it. Reach out to him for more information. We'll have him back soon. I'll let people fight about the other three faces. I'm just, I'm just going with you. For Hopefully, now. they're a lot better looking than I am. It'll <laughs> be a scary, uh, a scary mountain to look at. We'll be talking soon, my friend. Thanks so much, Pete. See you Saturday. We've had so much fun this year working with our friends at Santa Anita. Few weeks left in the meet. That means a few more opportunities to participate in the Golden Hour Double and Golden Hour Pick Four. Super player-friendly terms in this bet with those high minimums make it harder for the pools to be made completely efficient by the biggest players. And also, of course, the player-friendly 12% low takeout. Any day Santa Anita and Golden Gate are running, look for the Golden Hour Pick Four to learn more about the bet, to learn more about everything going on at Santa Anita. Check out SantaAnita.com. Three, two, one. I had a really good time at the Preakness this year. It was interesting race, great company, pleasant weather, maybe a little hot, but, you know, in off the goalpost. But, uh, you know, great racing. But the best thing that happened to me at the Preakness was I met the man that I'm about to introduce. We've talked so much over the last couple of years about the TRF Second Chances program. I've even had a chance to visit one of the programs and, and talk to some of the guys. But this was the first time I ever had a chance to have an extended conversation with a graduate of the program, uh, an impressive guy who uh, is making a life in, in horses now and other things, a graduate of the program, Tyler Frame. Welcome to the In the Money Airwaves. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. So how was your experience overall at the Preakness? I loved it. That was the first time I've actually ever been to a big race like that. And at that level, I mean, it was miraculous. I was right on the line in the grandstands, finish line. And right when they come across everything you learn, that dig they give at that last final second is the most rewarding thing for sitting there that whole day to see that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Did you grow up around horses at all? Absolutely not. I actually never liked agriculture until I did the TRF Second Chances program. Well, one of the first questions I asked you when we met, I, I, I said, you know, is this program as as good as I've been hearing it is from the, the previous guys I'd spoken to? Do you remember what you said? It is the best thing I have ever done in my life. It is the most rewarding program that you could ever even, you can't even fathom what you go through in that program in the short amount of time and the knowledge that you get. And it's just, it's not just about the horses, neither. It's also about you. You get to reflect on yourself based off of each animal because every thoroughbred, let's face it, they have a lot of personality, but all of them have different personalities. So, I mean, it, overall, it just, it, it changed my life, and I know a bunch of other people, it's changed theirs too. It, it sounds like a very powerful experience. I like the way you describe it when you said what you go through, because it sounds like you're not just talking about what you learned in terms of the brass tacks of the program, but more of what you learned um, 
in terms of this sort of empathetic understanding you're talking about? How does that how does that work? I mean, what did you not growing up around horses think the first time you got up close and personal with one of these uh, thousand pound animals? Well, the first thing that happened was when I went into the stall, I when he moved, I instinctively kept about a five foot distance. So when he swayed left, I immediately swayed left, which scared him and turned his rear end. So that was like the, the biggest thing was it just it scared me. They're so intimidating at first. And that was one of the things that you learn. You learn trust. And that, that's a big thing when it comes to these animals, especially like track animals, intact animals, any of them, whether they're gelded intact, whether they're, you know, being conditioned for racing, whether they're just being conditioned for jumping, you have to, they have to trust you. And that's the yeah. biggest thing in life is trust. Uh, now we're going to get to your upbringing and your your experiences that led you to the program at some point. But I want to start off. I want to start at the end. I want to start off with with where you are now. What were you doing this morning? I have a feeling from uh, the look of where you're sitting and what you're wearing on the YouTube channel. I think I know exactly what you were doing. But uh, hey, some of us aren't watching or listening. So so t tell us what you got. We're getting yourself into today. So I come in and I have to feed, turn out, take care of 25 animals. And it is about almost 90 degrees here. So where are was, you? Where Let folks know where you are. Um, I'm at Above and Beyond Farms in Hagerstown, Maryland, okay. which is a jumping slash hunter jumper farm. And the biggest thing about this place is when it gets hot, because there's very little shade in the fields, it gets hot. So as I was making feed, I'm like, wait, it is getting really hot. So I had to run around the farm, turn on every fan we had, <laughs> close doors to cool it off, and then run them in as quickly as possible and then finish feeding them. <laughs> how are they doing? How do they, how do they handle the hot weather, the hunter-jumper types? Um, so they don't necessarily like it. One, they get antsy when it gets too hot, and they want to come in and get fed. So they're already antsy because they want to get fed, but then we add the heat to it. And then certain, I had to change up the pecking order, which is who goes in first, because some of them are older than others. And so the fact that I was bringing in other ones that shouldn't have went first, well, the herd leaders did not like that. <laughs> it is amazing. The personalities and, uh, and, and that mentality that the, as a, as a, as herd animals, and you see that sometimes play out, on the racetrack it's it's amazing to hear it hear it confirmed from your own real life experiences do you have any ambitions to work with racehorses or, or, or are you happier in the in the world where you are now so eventually i'd like to go work out east there is a place i think it's called um hope and anchor farm it's owned by lewis uh weatherman I want to work for Lewis, but at this point, I don't have enough stallion training. And that's actually one thing that I'm working at at another facility. I'm working with a stallion. So eventually I could go out there and work at his breeding farm and then make my way back into the thoroughbred industry. Very interesting. Now, you ride horses as well. Where did you pick that up? So I actually started riding at Coexist Stables in um, Mount Airy, Maryland. It was only a short time. And then I went to a friend. She has about four or five of them. 
and I started riding hers and now I'm jumping. That happened oh too quick. That's pretty crazy. And you've done a little freelancing in the riding department and, and, and not just horses from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I am a bronc rider and Vexel sports is one of the biggest people that backs me in that. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's intimidating. And the worst part is it's not like it's PBR it's local farms in our area. They have a private circuit that they do. And we do it for charity and they go to all the money goes to either a farm that is down because of COVID or somebody that, you know, can't afford to take care of their animal. So that money goes towards their feed, their veterinary, everything that would help them from, you know, having the state seize the animal or it'll go to a, a serious charity. I mean, endless stuff it goes to but they only keep it within the equestrian world which is good because we don't get that much funding at smaller farms that have less meaning to the horse industry but back to it yeah it hurts it does not feel good (laughs) i thought you told me you were thinking of getting on a bull that's what i was referring to so oh so yeah uh in september bull riding is coming (laughs) <laughs> I will be getting on my first bull and I'm sure my mother will cry. <laughs> it's complete insanity. Well, hearing these stories, now granted you take it uh, above and beyond with how you've embraced the horsey slash cowboy life, but let's talk in broader terms about the program. I mean, are you some kind of unicorn or, or have you seen the program have this type of effect on, on other people? So it's a yes and no. So I've been told by a lot of people within the TRF community that I am the unicorn because I've taken it to this extent. However, there are some people that, yes, they do get involved in the equestrian community. But out of the program, just because they, we don't get involved in the equestrian community does not mean it did not benefit you. There was a guy, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. But I actually recently found him on Facebook. Um, He did not like anybody when we were in prison. He hated everybody. He hated police. Everybody was wrong but him. And I watched him do this program and work with Sarah Stein, the lady who had – was running the program at the yes, facility I've level. Sarah. I've interviewed Sarah on these airwaves before. Listeners, the hardcore listeners will remember that chat. Very moving uh, hearing her talk about her experiences. Yeah, absolutely. She is, the, she is a hero. But the thing is, the, when you work with Sarah, and Sarah works one-on-one with you and the horses, you learn that you are not just some guy with a DOC number that has a charge. You learn the fundamentals. Okay, now you're a person. This is how you're going to be treated. Now you have the abilities to understand, have empathy towards others. You have the ability to reassess what happens. Because she, it's not that Sarah wants you to get hurt, but it kind of, she kind of does. Because when you get bit by a horse, you, she wants you to reassess it. Okay, anytime you get hurt by a horse, it's your fault, 100%. But the thing is, you need to understand, okay, what did I do wrong? And what can I do next time to prevent this? You know what I mean? And that's reassessing. And she teaches you what's called positive reinforcement. Reward only the good and ignore the bad when it comes to these animals. So, and the way that like applied to me was I basically, you know, ignored bad things in my life 
and only pursued the good. So, and that's one of these things. I mean, I see a lot of people that I know that went through this program, not work with horses and be successful in life, not come back, utilize the skills which TRF has taught us. You were talking, I sort of derailed you when we, when we got into talking about Sarah, but your friend who you met in the program who at the time didn't like anybody who you reconnected with on, on, on Facebook, what, what was his journey like? So from the beginning, from before he got incarcerated, because I can make it quick and sweet. More more from going from not liking anybody to, you know, even being on Facebook and and being available to, to, you know, reconnect with someone such as yourself. So he went through this program with no family, no nothing. He, the state had actually taken away his brothers and sisters from him. Because his parents left when he was at a very young age and he was forced to do things that people shouldn't do to try to keep his family fed. And so he had no family, no nothing, which made him miserable. And he eventually started to, like I said earlier, he learned all these coping skills and things to do. Well, he got the certificate and when he got out, he actually went down to Laurel Park and he got a job, made some money. And then he started going to a community college and one thing led to another. And now he is in charge of an Amazon warehouse. Great. Uh, so, so, so that's the yes and no of it. Not everybody's out there riding Broncos, but if you have these, <laughs> life, skills, these life skills that you learn in the program are applicable to, uh, to, 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 to a, a, a larger subset of humans than just, uh, than just you, the unicorn. Let's talk about your own journey, if you don't mind. And, and you know, I, I was hesitant when we talked to, you know, get too much into the, the whys and the wherefores of, of how you got involved in the program. And I certainly, you know, I didn't want to define you as somebody who who'd spent time inside. I, I wanted to focus more on, on what you were up to today. But it was actually you who brought the conversation around to how you view your past and, and how you actually want to talk about it. So um, let, let's let's go back to 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 what led you to get put uh, inside in the first place. What, what was going on in your life in the time when you got into trouble? So when I was 20 years old, I was partying. I was running around with a significantly large crowd of people. And everybody knew generally who everybody was, whether we were friends or not. I had actually gotten to an argument over social media with about six, yeah, six people. These six people damaged my vehicle. And I had actually called the police. Police did nothing. Called the state's attorney's office. She did nothing. And then I went to the county commissioner, tried to press charges, and they wouldn't. So I was, I was talking about it at a party, and these six people were like, hey, well, why don't you set their vehicles on fire? And, yeah, I did it with them because my license was suspended at the time too. And so I couldn't drive. So they drove me. And eventually when they got caught, um, they blamed it on me. And arson is a crime. Yes, it is. Now that's the thing. I don't regret going to prison. I was so I'm best years of my life. You know, you, when I got incarcerated the first day of the County jail, I just, I hated myself. I hated everybody. I didn't know what was going on. I was just manic. And nine months I spent in a small pod in the county jail and 
I kind of started to learn a little bit about myself. So I thought, and then when I got sentenced to prison, which was a significant amount of time, um, compared to my co-defendants, <laughs> they, I was so mad because my co-defendants got two weeks in the county jail. I got 25 and 20 years over my head and 15 in prison. I only had to do eight and a half because I was good. But during those eight and a half years, I took over 35 programs, small courses to learn about myself, anger management, you know, stress management, dual diagnosis, people that have, you know, an alcohol problem mixed with a mental health disorder, you know, just so I could like figure it. Some of the stuff that I took had nothing to do with me. But some it interested me, and just because something didn't have anything to do with me doesn't mean that I can't find something in it to help me. And that's basically the way I started looking at it. I learned who I was. You know, had you asked me, oh, who are you? I'd have said Tyler Frame. But now I know who I am. I am a person of understanding. No matter what happens, I am impartial to the best of my ability. You know, I love animals. I love not just life, but the meaning of life, you know, like I love to have a good time, just all this stuff I can say about myself that I couldn't say before. The only thing I would have said before is I'm Tyler Frame. You know, in depth, you learn who you are as a person and what you're capable of in prison. It's so interesting. We, the, the, you know, someone such as myself who's watched too many mob movies, um, you know, sort of the code for spending time away in, in prison is, Oh, he's, he, he went to college. He's at college. Uh, yeah. in your case, it, it, it's, it sounds like it's much more literally true. I want to talk about what role or, or at what point during the education you received inside, did you hear about the TRF program and what, what attracted you to it as somebody who didn't know anything about horses beforehand? So this is actually pretty funny. So I wanted to be a paralegal when I got out. And I was studying, you know, paralegal studies and doing everything I could to fight other inmates and fractions for them and win, go to court against the division of corrections, you know, do everything I could to find, to just litigate and get good and better and better. Well, the jail got so mad at me, they basically said, oh, no, you're going outside of the fence all day long. And they were because they were mad. They didn't want me inside anymore. So I did it and I went outside and cause I didn't want to go to the TRF program. I just heard horse farm. That's all it was known as. It was the horse farm. And when I got there, you know, I was told to, you know, go work with a certain horse and I did. And after the first day of working with him, I just, I fell in love. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how quickly I fell in love with him. I know Jack crap about horses, but I was showed, you know, this is how you pick up a hoof. This is how you pick a hoof. This is how you groom. You know what I mean? Don't let him take advantage of you or invade your personal space. And I mean, just a certain, the bare minimum. And I did it alongside another person. And next thing you know, I, I was, when I left, I couldn't wait till the next morning. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's like a lightning bolt. It sounds like falling in love. It was. <laughs> it is the most relaxing thing you can ever do. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, and, and to really, I mean, for it to have happened by accident. Now, one of my lines I use about the Second Chances program that is that, you know, the correction system famously in this country, a lot of things that don't necessarily work 
Whereas for me, it feels like having visited the Second Chances program, not the one that you went to, but the one at, the one at Blackburn, um, and having spoken to you, I feel like this program is something that works. Would you agree with that, that there's something? Because it sounds like you were getting something out of your prison experience even before you got to the Second Chances program. But what, what, why does this seem to, to work more than your average you know, education system in prison. And, you know, I have a feeling it might be because of the four-legged instructors, but, but I want to hear your take on this. So, well, first off, every real therapist lives in a barn. So all four-legged therapists live in a barn. That's what I always say. My therapist lives in a barn. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, the, the way this program is designed, it is designed to, mm, direct you to work at a racetrack. That is the way this program is designed in Maryland. And when you go through this program to learn the basic anatomy of these animals, you know, their history, you learn their social behavior, their movements, everything you can about them. At the same time, when you groom them, that's when TRF instructors tell you to be one with that animal, talk to that animal, let go of everything else, feel what they feel and respond to what they feel. And that right there is therapy beyond belief. Horses are therapy for people with mental illnesses. That's why they say horse people are crazy. <laughs> I can attest to that. Um, but we, we, we strive, we connect with them. We it's like they draw us to them. And when you don't get really good therapy in prison and you immediately get introduced to one of the best therapists there is, it's like a light switch goes off. And that's like mentally. Now, everything else that builds you up are – and this is where the Division of Corrections has to do its job. Rick Zambito was the correctional officer that ran the program when I was there. And – he ran, I mean, he didn't run it. He ran the physical part of it. Sarah runs, hey, I need you guys to do this with these horses. The correction officer says, I need you to mow this. I need you to do that. And, you know, all the physical chores. And the, that's what builds it. It's like a combined thing. You know, you have a great instructor like Sarah. You have a great boss like Zambito. And together they give you the stability. They give you the ethics to work. You know, you're working in 100-degree heat as an inmate wearing a blue DOC shirt and these cotton pants. And it makes you want, like, you want to work with these animals so bad, so you'll do anything you can to stay. And it's like a basic training thing. It brings you down to the lowest point and builds you back up. And just like in the wintertime, I mean, I remember when it was negative four and windy. And they said, hey. You got to go try to get the poop out of these fields, bring in the horses. <laughs> you got to do all this stuff. And I only have like a brown jacket, some pants and some boots on. And I don't have nothing to cover my face. And I barely have a hat that goes over my ears. But I wanted to do it. And it was like I was getting so much out of it mentally. And I mean, that's that's just how it is. It's it build. It, it's like the Marines, man. They knock you down and build you back up. Like that's, it's never in the Marines, but all my friends say the same thing. When we talk about this, they're like, it's just like buds that guys that were in the seals. I have two of them go to the American Legion. 
they're like, it's the same thing, man. They put you through the worst to get you what you want. Because they want it. They want to be Navy SEALs. I want to be a horseman. You know what I mean? So they put them up through all sorts of hell. They put us through all sorts of hell. <laughs> so the common goal is to get what you want. Are you still in touch with other people that you were in the in the program with? I'm curious about the, the type of camaraderie that develops and what the experience is like for, for other people as well. So I am in touch with two people that were in the program with me. One of them is Peter Forlifer, and he is actually working at a farm out in, I think, central Maryland right now. And the other guy uh, is Alex Wooten who works that has all the stories done on him being down at Laurel park. Yeah. You guys might know Alex. Uh, Alex actually is running his own farm now. That's great. Yeah. I mean, so, these are not common success stories coming out of uh, prison, even, even the educational uh, programs from what I understand, there really is something special about what you guys went through. Absolutely. And you know, what's really funny, Pete is I have a buddy that was out west and they have a horse farm program and it's not a trf program and i i talk to him every once in a while but when we first met up and we we actually met on the maryland horse uh industry board on facebook and because i i put out an ad you know asking if anybody needed hooves picked anything that i could get and he had actually responded because i put my trf resume on there but when I went out there, I still had my TRF book, the one that you know we had to learn from. And I showed him it, and he was like, you guys are so lucky. You know, He said, like, the amount of stuff that they had given you is nothing out there. You know what I mean? Everybody does it, but, you know, they don't do it as good as TRF. You know, TRF does it, goes, like, literally above and beyond to make sure, you know, that they get all these different books – on horse behavior, anatomy, plants that they can't eat, all their nutrition, how to, you know, what their living environment should look like. And that's, that's where all of us that still stick together, like me, Alex and Pete still talk. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. Like it, TRF put us ahead of the game. You know, I came out of jail and I remember going to the first farm that I had ever went to. And I knew, more than what they thought that I was going to know. They did not think I had the ability to do what I did. That's that leg, that, that metaphorical leg up that the, the, the program provides. Now, additionally, you're doing all this work around horses, but you're also doing this ambassadorial work, not just talking to me here today, but, but other things. I mean, I don't know if I were you, part of me wouldn't, would want to not worry too much about my past and, and, and just go forward with the skills you have and the opportunities in front of you. But you seem like it's really important to you to own that past and, and make it part of the work that you're doing with TRF. Is that a fair assessment? It absolutely is. So I go to as many farms as I can to law enforcement. If they have, if they'd like to have me, I go to different legions in uh, Pennsylvania and I talk to people about the program. I talk to them, try to get, you know, people to understand that one, felons aren't bad people. And two, you know, this program is awesome. Support it. Donate to it. You know what I mean? If you have land, you know, you should allow TRF to lease the land and then they can bring inmates out and then you could get a tax deduction. You know what I mean? Hell, you, you already have land. You're getting paid for it and you're not having to maintain it because they do it. Yeah. 
it's kind of a big win for for and, and that's Red exactly yeah. and right now i'm hoping kim is going to come down and talk to somebody i almost i'm hoping that i can get him to lease this land to trf i'm hoping <laughs> and if he does i am going to feel like the greatest success out of this program i'm going to be great. like yes i did well, that you, that farm you said something really interesting when you're talking about felons not being bad people i think you're right that that's a message that wider society needs and and why i think it's a it's a good thing you know i you know as a media guy i hesitate to to brand you as such but by wearing it on your, your your sleeve and talking to people about it i think you help normalize the idea that hey a felon can do his or her time and become a productive member of society. And, and you seem to like to be a living example of that and, and are, I don't want to say proud of your past, but like you own it and you don't want to shy away from it at all. I, I think that's really interesting. And I think for a lot of people to get to, to meet you and see how impressive you are and see your, your accomplishments, it's going to open them up to the wider possibilities of like, yeah, maybe I want to offer an opportunity to somebody like Tyler to help them get their life back on the right track. I mean, that's, that's where my brain went when we were talking that, that it's, it's actually really important that, that you're doing that. I will tell you this. When I first started working at coexist farms in Mount Airy, I was, there was 47 horses down there and their lesson program is beyond belief. I mean, they're a really, they're a great lesson farm. I love it. And, but there was a lot of different people, you know what I mean? Kids, kids, parents, kids, relatives that come down there. And I never told anybody because Elizabeth that runs it had asked me, don't sit telling anybody you're, a, you know, a felon. I don't want them to judge you. She was like, cause they don't judge. And she was like, you know, we don't care if you do, but we prefer you not. And eventually everybody saw me wearing my trf hat and they would ask me you know how did you learn about horses so i maintained you know i went around it and you know, told them as much as they needed to know well one day the a woman came in with my article that trf had put on their webpage, and she was like i cannot believe that you were in prison and i was like shit <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, here we go. It's going to spread like COVID. <laughs> and she literally, she goes, I have watched you ever since I seen this article two months ago, she said. Two months she had watched me just to see how I was. And she said, you know, the way you can handle these animals, the way you will just run into a stall if one of them's hurt. You know, she was like, I never would have thought that that program would have did that for you. She was like, that must be one hell of a program. <laughs> and I mean, it is, you know, but to, and, the, to that larger point, you know, it's not just because somebody has made mistakes in their life. Doesn't mean that they can't thereafter be a, be a productive member of society, especially when you get the right kind of life training like through this program. And, and, and I love the idea. You made the point about, you know, seeking out law enforcement at this point. You'd made a reference. You'd had kind of a negative experience with cops before you went inside. But it, it, it sounded like afterwards, it's 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 just the opposite. And, and, you know, you relish the opportunity to show everybody like, hey, this system can work. You don't need to be judgmental. You don't need to be prejudiced. You know, we are people, too, and we can be productive members of society. 
Well, this is actually pretty funny. And the, most people would never believe this. So police officers arrest you and put you through the system because of what you might or might not have done. Prison guards are to watch you while you're incarcerated until your release. More prison guards are more judgmental on felons than police officers are. This is actually pretty interesting. So I'm a member of the American Legion, Post 42 in Hagerstown. And when I worked there, I talked to so many people. And eventually it spread like wildfire. Hey, Tyler's got an ankle monitor on. He's on home detention. He's kind of still in prison. And the police officers that come out there, you know, because they were in Iraq, et cetera, or their dad was, so they get, you know, membership. They used to tell me all the time because they were like, listen, don't not come up to me because I'm a police officer. I know that you know that we all know, you know, you did what you did. And you conduct yourself in a positive manner. You know, you're on a website, you work with horses, you know, people trust you to work with their $10,000 animals. So there's no reason why we wouldn't trust you. We don't judge you because you're a felon. We judge you for what you do after you become the felon is what one officer once told me. And at that point I realized, and this is funny. He was actually one of the police officers who had something to do with my arrest. Um, But he, when he said that to me, it made me realize, okay, you know, I have a shot in life. You know, I have this program that backed me, and now he's telling me this. You know, I, I have a shot at life. And when I was in TRF, I went to school for horses while I was in the program. So TRF was helping me with that. And I remember, like, I was like, okay, I'll take all these programs that I did with TRF and my certificate I got with them and with New Horizons Equine Education Center, and I'm going to go get me a serious job. And that's that's where it all started. It's, it's an amazing story. I'm so glad you share it. And, you know, the, the, the fact that you're spending so much time, even though you've got this stuff going on, continuing to promote the program. Obviously, program uh, is supported in part by outside donations from people like the ones listening and watching. We encourage them to go to trfinc.org slash players to donate. I mean, Tyler's living proof that this can really make a difference in people's lives. Not to mention the fact that it's a, it, I'm sure it's a, a positive experience for, for the teachers, the horses who are involved in the, in the program. Um, and it's a chance, to, it's a way to give them, um, let them fill a role that obviously they're born to do teaching, teaching empathy. Uh, tell me a little bit more about some of the horses you work with. So the ones here are in TRF. In TRF program. Okay, so there were six horses. There was Dreamer, which was a seven-year-old gelding. He was a bay. He was the he had horse anxiety. I kid you not. If you went like just moved your hand like this, he'd be like, "Oh God," you know what I mean? It's like every time you came in there, he's like, "Oh my God, something's gonna eat me." And that was one of the horses that you really had to conduct your see how you conducted yourself because. Humans have anxiety, and humans are subject to BS. And with Dreamer, I had to 
watch my feet because he would he would not pay attention and he would always step on your feet. But that also teaches you to pay attention in life, the things that are happening around you while you're doing something. You know, I had Greek ruler, which was the love of my life. Like that is the horse who changed my life. You know, Greek was, I think, 14 years old. He was 15, hand, 15, three. Yeah, hands high. And he was the best thing for me. You know, he gave me love back. You know, I, I hug that horse and the feelings I would get, what you couldn't believe. And that's like one of the things is, you know, when I still think of Greek today, I still get that like euphoric feeling that like high, that, you know, love that you just, you just can't explain it. I don't know how to explain it, but Greek was like the best animal ever. You know, he didn't teach me really anything out of the ordinary as far as the other ones, he just made me want to be a good person. Like one-on-one, just, I, there's no words to put it. You would have to put a USB cable to my head. <laughs> you know, You're doing it's a good job. You're doing a good job. You're getting it across. Yeah. I mean, he just, the way he looks at you, his gentleness, he's stubborn as hell though. I tell you right now, that horse does not <laughs> want you to do what you want him to do. But once I got, to I used to do this matter of fact not to get off topic but on the weekends when we would go out to the horse farm and they would send us out you know to feed on the fence line and you know if there's any poop pick the fields real quick when I was done I used they would let us bring mints out of the jail right to feed the horses so I had four mints that I would keep on me and dreamer and greek were in the same field of, as each other and I would eat, give him one mint, and then because I'm slick and I just wanted to feel like a god, I would walk in between them with my hands like this, and they would walk with me <laughs> and follow me all around the field. And I'd give it to them, and they would keep following me. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! This is the life." <laughs> you know, I. Oh yeah, when they would lay down in their field, this is actually how I really. What really made me start to actually want to do it even more. One time, Greek, which never laid down. He was laying down in the field, and Dreamer was beside him. And I walked up, and I slowly started to, you know, etch up to him so I could try to lay with him. And I sat with him, and his head was in my lap. And that was like the key moment of, okay, yeah, I'm doing this forever. That's I'm awesome. going to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> this is what I want. So great. One of the guys at Blackburn had said to me, and you're the living embodiment of this statement as far as I'm concerned. He said, you know, people think it's it's our job to take care of these horses, but really it's the horses who are taking care of us. And I, I love that line. A copywriter couldn't have come up with that line. You can't. The article I had actually put online, I titled it um, Heroes with Hooves. It's on TRF's website. And that's because they save us. You know, we are as in prison are subject to all sorts of self-destructive behaviors. And I mean, you go through there and they save your life. You know, I can't even tell you there was a horse named Judge Lucy and she was she had a really shitty groom. She was head shy. If you touched her, she would bite the hell out of you. You know, what I mean, certain days she would turn her ass towards you and it took forever. But, you know, slowly working with Lucy, you learn where not to touch her. And if you do where to stand and. 
when you hug her, she first, she fights it. Like, she's just like, oh, get off me. And then eventually when you relax, she relaxes and she's like, okay, I'm safe. You know, I, I feel good now. You know, this is nice. And that's just, it's, it's one of the things that just saves you. You know, every single one of those six horses, you work with one horse for 30 days. The program is six months. I was fortunate and I stayed for nine. Um, each one of them teaches you something different. And that's the point of having different ones. And as it's like, once you hop horse to horse, it's, you always look back at your first one that you had like Greek. And then you figure out like, okay, do I want to do this or do I not? I mean, am I going to do this forever? Or, you know, is there something else I could do? And that's, that's one of the things that I learned is that's how they save you. They get you to think about that. They get you to think about your life and the future. Was it you who told me the idea that that, that they're they're like a mirror in a way? And what they are a mirror. Yeah. What you put into them is what you get out. A horse sees you for what you are. If you come at it aggressive, it's going to be aggressive. If you come at them understanding, they will be understanding. What I mean, you have you ever heard the statement? Never bring your home life to work. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, don't do that when you go into a stall. Don't bring your home life to work <laughs> because you will – it will tell you how your home life is in a very negative way. <laughs> but, I mean, if you want to talk about empathy and you want to talk about a life lesson you can take with you forever, I, I think that idea of – you know, it's, it's simple, but it's, but it's a truism that, that you know, what you – what that what you put out there is what you're going to get back and if you can use that and develop that into your coping mechanisms for dealing with everyday life you're obviously going to be um you're going to be able to to be a lot better off and i think for a lot of the guys in your situation you know they've dealt with human teachers their whole lives given them lessons that for one reason or another haven't resonated and and a lot of humans you know a lot of human teachers they're going to be you know they're going to have their one way of doing it whereas i think I could get the logic that to just hold up a mirror and, and have that relationship that you have with a horse, that's going to be a lot more effective way of getting through to somebody who maybe hasn't gotten some of those messages and, and doesn't have the home life, hasn't experienced the the love and, and connection with other beings along the way. I mean, it's, it, it's, it, it really seems like a perfect program for, for teaching people who've maybe had trouble hearing those messages up to that point in life. It definitely is. I mean, I can't even tell you when I went through high school, my teachers didn't really care whether or not, you know, I passed. They didn't care. And because I had, you know, bipolar and anxiety, you know, and I had a learning disability. And it's like they couldn't, they didn't care. They didn't care to teach you stuff. I mean, I remember going through prison and thinking, like, I never learned this social normal thing. You know, I, I was never taught these things. And they're like, you didn't go to high school? But our teachers always had the thing, oh, well, they're adults, so they're just going to learn on their own. And when you go to a TRF program, it's like everything you weren't taught in school, you're taught there. Where did you go to high school? Where, where you, were you in the city? I was in Williamsport High School. It's in Washington okay. County, Maryland. It's right okay. next to Hagerstown. Small town, USA. Okay. Um, it sounded like a, a negative stereotype of, you know, I was thinking of the, the high schools in the wire when you were, when you were talking about that, that's, that's why I said that. Yeah. All right. We we're almost out of time, but I do have one more question on a much lighter note that I want to ask you. So knowing your, you know, your, your, your background, having spent some time inside and the fact that you're doing 
all this uh, cowboy stuff now. You must have a lot of trouble getting dates. I will tell you this, right? So I made a tender, and <laughs> I put <laughs> I put my photos of me on tender bronc riding or the photo <laughs> with me working on the horses and attached my TikTok to it. So by the way, I have a TikTok, and I do TikTok videos. I'll send them to you. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. hit you up like you would not believe. <laughs> When I first got on Tinder, I put no horse pictures. And I was like, ah, not getting too many hits. Man, I put one grass puppy on there. Flock to you. I mean, it is crazy. I have people adding me on Snapchat. They're like, oh, hey, I got your Snapchat off of Tinder. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, yeah, it's kind of hot what you do with the horses. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> we can work with that. We can, we can definitely that. work with that. <laughs> uh, social media wise, we'll skip the Tinder. But what what do uh, where can people find you on TikTok, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, wherever, where, Twitter, wherever you're looking to be found, where, where can people find you? So you can actually find me. If you can add me on Facebook, it's Tyler Frame. There's a photo of me holding a horse, not the one with my tongue out. That is an old page I don't use. <laughs> You can actually find my TikTok. Um, I think it's, it's T-Frame under dash H-R-Z as in zebra. Um, my Instagram is Tyler W. Frame. And my Snapchat is the same, Tyler W. Frame. Well, Tyler, thank you for your time here today. We're going to have you back to talk about more stuff because this was just uh, you know time that flew by i really enjoyed both of our chats really appreciate you on obviously a busy morning there coming to us from is that the tack room i'm guessing so this i will move the camera around <laughs> this is our indoor arena oh you're in the arena oh cool and oh yeah there it is this is the indoor room of which i try to frequent when it gets too hot yep so, and it is AC'd, so, and it also has a fridge. Oh, key. Cold beverages. We like cold Oh, beverages. absolutely. And it's got a pinball machine over there, so. <laughs> Wins all the way around. Tyler, thank I'm... you so much for your time today. Give to the program, folks. We even have some premium stuff if you go there now. trfinc.org slash players. Tyler, we'll be talking soon. Okay. Thank you, Pete. You heard all about the Pick Your Prize contest earlier in the show. Brian Skirka mentioned about fixed odds at Monmouth, the return of fixed odds after a century off in American racing. Right now, just Monmouth at Monmouth, powered by our friends at BetMakers, but soon going to be spreading throughout the state and hopefully throughout the country. Great way for players to get involved in horse racing. You really take control of what value means because the odds you bet are the odds you get. Right now, Monmouth at Monmouth, which has expanded to uh, Fridays on the calendar as well. If you can get down there to check it out, I highly recommend you do so. And to learn more about everything going on at Monmouth Park, you can go to monmouthpark.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I'd like to thank Tyler Frame and Brian Skirka for joining us on this early week show. Remind folks the best way to stay abreast of all the content on the In The Money Media Network is to sign up for our free newsletter, inthemoneypodcast.com slash email exclusive content and just a good way to support us. And like I said, just be aware of what's going on. And if you want even more little digests of all the picks from the shows, extra content written and uh, video and audio, 
Sign up for our plus service, just 15 a month in the moneypodcast.com slash plus. Other thank yous. We'll thank producer Craig for stitching this whole thing together, pushing all the right buttons as he so typically does. Our founding partners, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, and also 10 Strike Racing. Looking forward to uh, seeing the crew from 10 Strike a whole bunch this summer, Belmont weekend, and then hopefully up in Saratoga as well. No doubt in Saratoga as well. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners and the viewers for making these shows so much fun to do. We really appreciate your support. Could not do it without you. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>